So, Father, we thank you for this evening time. We ask you to come and invade this place, fill this place with your presence, fill this place with your voice, fill this place with your heart. Lord, we want to know your heart for our lives. We want to understand what you have in store for us. We want to understand what you have planned for us, God. Everything that we have planned for ourselves, we lay it down at the altar and we pray that those things that you have planned for us, only those things will prevail, only those things will stay. We commit ourselves into your hands. Ask for you to lead us from the beginning till the end of tonight's conversation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I have a list of questions that, that we have received from uh, past few sessions which have not completed, which I have not finished. I definitely want to uh, take those questions as well. But if you have any questions in between, you're welcome to uh, share, you're welcome to ask. Now, how, how many of you know that physical strength is very important? Like without physical strength, we can't survive. We can't, we can't survive in this physical world that we are in. Without physical strength, we can't really host the presence of God. Without physical strength, we can't really um, be the temple of the Holy Spirit because the Bible says our body, uh, which is our physical body, our physical body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. So if we don't have physical strength, if we are not taking good care of our physical body, then our ability to host the presence of God, the presence of the Holy Spirit is going to be limited. It is going to be um, challenged. It is going to be uh, restricted. And that is why it is very important for us to um, take good care of ourselves. It's very important for us to um, watch how we live, how we, what we drink, what we smoke. Uh, because all of those things, whatever you do, you're actually hurting your body. You know, there was somebody that I was listening to and they were saying, the one question that I ask myself is uh, not whether if certain things is right or wrong, you know, because that's how we make our choices, right? We say, is this, is this acceptable? Is this sinful? Is, this, is it okay for me to do this? Um, what he said is, uh, the question I ask is whether this is wise or not. Because not everything that is right is actually wise. Not everything that is not wrong is actually wisdom. So the question to ask is, um, is, is the choices that you're making with regards to your health, with regards to your body, is it wise choices? Is it, is it, is it good wisdom? Um, so how can you take good care of your physical body? You have to, of course, pay attention to its needs. You have to take care of how it looks, the nutrition that your physical body requires, uh, how much energy you are able to, um, you know, work, like work to, you know. If, you, if you're feeling that you're low on energy, what are the things that you need to do to strengthen yourself up to uh, make sure that you're fit, you're not incapable of running long, long distance. You, you're, 
I'm not talking about like just a physical run. I'm talking about going long. You know, if if you have to really um, like pursue a certain goal and you're getting tired, physically exhausted midway, every single time you're getting exhausted and you're unable to reach the goal, then then that's a challenge. So these are questions you need to ask yourself. Uh, I remember the time that I started taking uh, the... Uh, my physical health seriously is when I saw that my, uh, when I'm on Sunday morning, when I'm preaching, I'm getting tired when I preach for a long time. That's when I was like, wait a minute, this is like part of my calling. I can't ignore this. I can't um, take this lightly and I'm not able to do this well. And that is when it was like an alarm in my head saying, I need to take good or better care of my health. And uh, whenever you, you feel like, you know, you, you're, you're not able to do what God has called you to do, if, whether it is a physical handicap, whether it's an emotional handicap, whether it is a, a, a relational handicap, uh, whatever areas of your life, if, even it could be a financial handicap, you know, because of which, you're feeling like, man, God has called me to do this, but this is a limitation. Like my, my health is not allowing me to do it, or my finances is not allowing me to do it, or my, uh, my relationships are, is, is, is like not allowing me to do this, or, or my mental state or my emotional state is not allowing me to do it. That is when you, you know, okay, wait a minute, this, I, I have neglected this one area of my life. I have to pay extra attention to develop this, because we've all grown up in a school of thought that says, you know, you just serve God, you just love God, and everything will fall into place. You know, have you tried that? That you know, you've prayed so much, and or, and automatically in one one year's time, your biceps came out. Anybody, it has happened to you? No, it doesn't work like that. If you're serious about your pursuit of God. You have to also pay attention to other areas of your life, whether it is finances, whether it is health. If there are things that you're missing, if there are things that you're not paying attention to, you need to uh, work on those areas. And, and, and like if you see there is a lack, you need to apply wisdom in saying, how can I fix this one area? What, what areas can I receive help? Who can I receive help from, you know, who, who can uh, give me some understanding on this, who can give me some extra wisdom on this. I, I'm not trying to understand what is right or wrong, I'm trying to understand what is wisdom. How do I deal with, in this one area with wisdom? How can I respond uh, in my relationships with wisdom? So, uh, so it is very necessary that we ask ourselves what am I doing to take care of my physical health? Um, and see, there are, there are certain times when you have to override the limitations of your physical health. Like you would see in scripture, there are people that went on a 40-day fast without food or without water. There are people that have done some extreme feats because of their uh, a revelation because of their understanding, because of their dependence on the Holy Spirit. Now, medically speaking, you can't live without water for over eight days. 
you know even food you know it's not uh, wise for you to uh, not eat at certain times and you know for certain such a long duration and yet it is something that is that was at that point empowered by the holy spirit that physical limitation was taken over by the uh, strength that god was giving him or you know like in in terms of let's talk about elijah the bible says he um, was sleeping under the juniper tree and then an angel came and woke him up and gave him a meal and with the strength of that meal elijah ran for 40 days and 40 nights ran for 40 days and 40 nights he literally ran to the mountain he didn't walk he he just ran he didn't eat he didn't have need for drink the same thing with moses the bible says god spoke to him god called him up the mountain and there he was without sleep without food without water jesus for 40 days in the wilderness like all of these things jesus the bible says in uh, in matthew chapter 4 and luke chapter 4 he was driven by the holy spirit into the in, into the wilderness to fast and to pray it was not jesus not saying wait i think it's a good idea to now fast and pray uh, i think uh, that you know this is a good uh, decision before i step into ministry you know this is what all the prophets in the old testament has done so let me also do the same it was not a very uh, religious decision to fast and pray like most of us would fast and pray uh, as a routine or a ritual or as a religious choice that's not how jesus fasted and prayed he did it in response to a deep drive inside his spirit that pushed him to fast and to pray so in those times if you if you don't pay attention to your physical limitations you wouldn't be harmed but on the other side when we neglect our physical health and we neglect our sleep routines we neglect our food habits uh, it can really affect us negatively on the long run the best example that i can mention is of uh, ivan roberts i i don't know if you've you know known this name this is the guy that god used single handedly to bring revival in wales the the revival of wales was so powerful so impactful that people around the world churches around the world ministries around the world have uh, been birthed out of that a lot of uh, christianity that you see in india is a result of missionaries that left the the united kingdom during the revival of wales they came to india they started churches here they started ministries here so over six months because of this young man he there were um you know definitely a act of god was it a revival absolutely everything was true but ivan roberts he wouldn't sleep he he would he didn't take care of his physical health well like i understand that when you are in the service and in of sleep and his physical routine of food and all the things that he requires the story goes on to say how within uh the next few years he became emotionally mentally physically burnt out 
like towards the last part of his life he was depressed this man of god that god used for a great revival you know we all have heard his prayers and we have prayed his prayers where he says lord bend me or give me revival you know there are things that he has prayed there are ways that he has prayed that has inspired an entire generation for hundreds of years for the last 100 years 100 and you know 15 years and yet the man he ended up extremely depressed lost his hope not his faith in god not his trust in god but literally lost his hope lost his direction in life he died in a very uh, very uh, like how do how do you how do i say this it was like there was no uh, no celebration in his death you know when when a man of god dies there is so much of celebration and and thanksgiving for his life and here was one man he was secluded people didn't even know where he lived you know what was going on with this life somebody just took him in saying you know come live with us we'll take care of you and he was extremely broken i th- i think that we have to discern well when we need to take care of ourselves and when we are neglecting ourselves when uh, the lord is moving when god's presence is there yes we stretch we push we we do our 100% but if we just keep neglecting all other areas of our life saying oh the presence of god is there um you know our uh, resources will be taken care of our relationships will be taken care of then we are actually uh, being unwise in our choices and i think that this applies everywhere it's not just health it applies in your marriage in your family uh, in your relationships in your finances um i i know people who have said you know what god will take care of my finances and they've just uh, you know just uh, spent all their money into doing ministry or traveling or doing things and then they end up in a financial crisis then my question is see if if god was really sending you into these places shouldn't god have provided for this if god didn't provide for it isn't that a proof of the fact that you should have taken care of it you should have been wise in your choices with finances so if you if you are if you are pushing certain things beyond its limit you have to be very sure that the lord is in it and again i am not asking you to not live by faith you know this is when i say these things it can look like i'm asking you to not live by faith that's not what i mean i i want you to live by faith i want you to uh, exercise your faith but at the same time i don't want you to be foolish i want you to be wise in your spending wise in your relationships wise in your uh, commitments to people wise in your uh, in your handling of your own self your emotions your mental health um when you see that wait a minute i am i'm giving so much and it is coming at the cost of my uh peace i'm not at peace i'm not uh, sorted i'm not rooted i'm i'm constantly going you know in in different mood swings i i'm not able to hold myself i'm not able to even govern myself but i'm constantly pouring out myself into other people's lives 
then it's a danger of that is when you get burnt out that is when you uh, can in the long run hurt yourself really bad so should you take care of your physical health please by all means take care of your physical health can we pick up the scripture it says in uh, the book of timothy uh, physical exercise profited little can you can somebody get me that scripture says uh, physical exercise profited little if you find the verse tell me this the reference first timothy chapter 4 verse 8 okay uh first timothy chapter 4 and verse 8 let's read this together uh first timothy chapter 4 and verse 8 i'm going to read it from the new living translation it says physical training is good but training for godliness is much better promising benefits not just in this life but in the life to come it is not saying don't do physical training it says it is good so if you are a man of god and if you want to do physical training if you want to go to gym if you want to be fit that's a good thing scripture says it is good and yet it says a training towards godliness a a, a training towards uh, the god's godly things that is much better because that doesn't just promise you uh, benefits in this life but also in the life to come can we read the same scripture in different uh, translations let me read for you from uh, amplified bible it says for physical training is of some value but godliness which is spiritual training is of value in everything and in every way since it holds promise for the present life and for the life to come in other words it's creating a contrast it's comparing physical training versus spiritual training so it's saying that physical training it does have value it does has its uh, impact on our life so it does hold its weightage and it is not something we should just ignore and yet not at the cost of spiritual training because sometimes we are so caught up you know we have people on the other end of the spectrum as well who are so focused on physical training and and physical exercising and you know taking care of your finances well taking care of your family well taking care of your emotional health well that we are not training ourselves in godliness or we are not training ourselves in spiritual discernment so what happens there is that there is a imbalance again it cannot be 50% physical training 50% spiritual training if if it says spiritual training is of greater value you give more weightage to spiritual training and less weightage to physical training meaning there can be days when your spiritual pursuits your spiritual exercises is, is in conflict with your physical exercises or your physical pursuits at that time the spiritual pursuits has to take prominence and you say okay in this place i'm going to i'm going to pursue uh, the my my spiritual pursuits because i know that this doesn't just give me uh, eternal benefits this doesn't just give me you know temporary physical benefits it also gives me 
eternal benefit. So you immediately prioritize spiritual training. Uh, but that is not an excuse to say no physical training. Uh, and at the same time, that is not something you should quote to say, oh wait, I'm not going to do uh, to, to do spiritual training. When I say spiritual training, I mean that we need to grow in discernment. We need to grow in um, revelation, which means everything that we do, we need to do it as an act of faith, as an act of obedience to the voice of God, which means you, you need to be very sensitive to what God wants you to do in this season. What God spoke to you in the last season may not actually be valid or as, as important, as necessary in this season. You need to be hearing God in this season to understand, is this what God is speaking to me today, right now? Is this, is this God's heart for my life in this season? If, if it is not, how can I, how, how can I realign, reprioritize, re, re, you know, recalibrate my choices to, uh, to do God's will? Because many Christians, I, th I think that we have, we, we have, you know, we are, we, because we come sometimes from religious backgrounds, we, we take following Jesus, make Je following Jesus also into a, a religion. So as long as we have prayed for this much time and as long as we have attended church on point and we have been giving our tithes and we have been attending our fasting prayers, doing our, you know, those ritualistic things, we feel that we are all right. But the thing is, we, we, are, we, are, we are not spiritually trained enough to understand what is it that God wants us to do today, right now. What is the will of God for my life in this, in this hour? If we don't grow in that spiritual discernment, then we are, and, and we are only constantly led by physical needs and physical desires, then that's a huge problem. Because that's what uh, was the temptation in the Garden of Eden was. Uh, that uh, the Bible says they, they were tempted by the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. They, they were driven by their, their need to satisfy themselves. Instead of saying, what and how does God want to give me the knowledge of good and evil? Don't you think God would want them to have the knowledge of good and evil? Don't you think God would have wanted them to understand the difference between right and wrong? It, I, I'm sure that at some point in their relationship with God, God would have given them uh, the understanding. God would have given them the, um, the perspective on how uh, and where you, you can see the difference between the good and the bad, the right and the wrong. Yet, because they were so dependent on uh, the, the, the direction, the advice that the serpent gave to get the difference between good and bad, they, they were not dependent on God's voice to teach them. And I, I think that is, that is a place we have to be very careful to avoid. Is physical training good? Absolutely, yes. Is financial planning good? For sure, you better... Be wise in your financial planning. Should you uh, take very good care of your emotional health, mental health, your relational health, 
you know, your, your family, your relationships. Absolutely. And yet, who, who is training you in these things? Who is teaching you to take care of your physical health? Who is telling you this is how you run your marriage? Where do you get your mar- the theology of your relationships from? Is it from the scripture or is it from the world? Is it from, you know, people that have made certain mistakes and they're like, hey, we made these mistakes and don't do this. Or is it from the word? Because the world will always say, this is what happened. And so, you know, so please do the exact opposite. You know, how we, when we uh, get married and we have children, we decide to do exactly everything opposite of what our parents did. Our parents said no to certain things. So we're like, we will say yes to all of those things. You know, I, I, I had to uh, like really tell myself that, you know, my, like whenever my kids would ask that they want to go for picnic with their school friends, immediately one trauma in my childhood would pop up in my head because my parents would always say no. And the reason they said no was because of financial challenges, not because they didn't want me to go out and be with my friends. And, and automatically, immediately, my thing would be, why would we say no to this? And, you know, Pastor Ashmi and I, we would be discussing and she'd be like, you know, this is practically impossible. We are traveling, we are doing this, we are doing that. And I'm, I'm thinking, no, we, we, we can do anything, but they cannot miss their picnic because I'm thinking... I have to do everything opposite of what my parents did for me. And that is how we make our choices and that's how we decide certain things. And, 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 and we think that, oh wait, uh, you know, our, we have wisdom in what we are doing. No, 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 that's not wisdom. That you're, you're, you're living based on a particular experience. You're, you're trying to undo certain traumas or certain damages that has been done to you in the past. Instead of going to the word and instead of going to the spirit of God, instead of trying to discern what is the heart of God in this situation? How does God want me to function? You know, if you, uh, if you go to God when you're weak, that is not a time when God would just, uh, you know, strengthen you or sit and sympathize with you. Like, you can see this in the life of Elijah. The Bible says, Elijah was so discouraged, so disheartened. God, God was like, you know, get up and run to the mountain. He is discouraged. He is, he is like low, feeling low. What, what do you tell a man that is feeling discouraged and low? It's okay. I understand. I know what you've been through. I understand. Like, I mean, like, has, nobody has faced this Jezebel and and has progressed as far as, as you've done. So praise God for the victories that you've done, Elijah. Good job. And God didn't give him any consolation. God didn't give him any comfort. God didn't uh, say, it's okay, don't worry. We'll, you know, we'll have some angels come and you know, give you a pat on your back. God said, no, no, no. Get up, eat your meal, and run to the mountain. You need to... You need to Get rid of this discouragement by climbing up the mountain. You know, if you ask me, if you ask a psychologist saying, please comfort a discouraged, burnt out person, you wouldn't expect them to, what, what would be the normal, natural advice they will give you? 
take a break go on a holiday vacation you know just just uh, you know disconnect from ministry for some time don't don't talk to the jezebels for a while you know let let you know just for for a while just just take some time off and yet god said no 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 that's not how how we deal with discouragement in the spirit realm that's why i'm asking am are we are we taking care of physical training so much so that we are not we are not paying attention to spiritual training that we are not discerning how god does these things what is god's perspective about my finances how does god want me to take care of my finances uh you know how does god want me to take care of my family what does god want me to do about my health uh, you, 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 do i have to be constantly at the mercy of these doctors that are telling me this is your limitation or do i do i discern the situation from a spiritual viewpoint and make decisions and choices based on what the spirit is telling me that this is this is the right thing to do so again you 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 get both the perspectives right don't be so spiritually minded that you're ignoring the physical aspect and then blaming god for it yeah because that that is the problem with a lot of christians where where they say god didn't take care of me no no it's not that god didn't take care of you you were unwise in your spending you were unwise in your eating habits you were unwise in your uh, you know time you could have gone for walks in that time you know you could have you could have spent time strengthening your physical body but you 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 didn't take care of your physical body and on the other side you can't you can't expect to fight spiritual battles with physical strength so if if you're facing certain battles and challenges which are spiritual in nature then it is not because you have not exercised well it's not because you have not managed your family and finances as well it's because you're not paying attention to the voice of god over your life you're not paying attention to the instructions that is coming to you you're not obeying the the heart of god for your life that is the reason that you're you're continuing to uh not see answers and and a way to navigate through the uh through the uh, challenges through the struggle so it's very important that you keep asking am i discerning my situation well am i discerning my need well am i discerning where i am headed well and based on that you make your choices that doesn't make sense i i know there was you you were only asking about the physical exercising and taking care of our health bit but i i felt like we have to talk about both you know we have to talk about how this has to be in proportion it it, it can never be 50 50 if if you are spending uh, 20% of your efforts and resources in taking care of your physical health and environment i i i'm sure that you would have to give at least 80% to train yourself up spiritually because that is of greater value so as a takeaway can can you can i leave this verse for you to, for today this first timothy chapter 4 verse 8 is it okay if i read it from some more translations it says in the american standard version for bodily exercises is profitable for a little but godliness is profitable for all things 
In other words, when you practice your spiritual disciplines, when you practice your spiritual discernment, that helps you in all things. Not just in your physical health, not just in your finances, not just in your relationships. It, 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 it pertains to all things. It, it, it adds life everywhere. Yeah, the ESV says, uh, I, I, 4 verse 8, let me read it from the ESV Bible. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. That's amazing. That's amazing. The NLT Bible says, physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better. Beautiful. So please go back and memorize this verse, stand on this verse, uh, enjoy this verse, make, make, it a, make it a practice to pursue the promises of God. Because it says that spiritual discipline or spiritual exercises, it, it gives you not just temporary benefits, but even eternal benefits. So you have to ask God, God, how can I, uh, you know, do the things that you that you want me to do. How can I um, really receive those promises that you have given me? Not just in eternity, but even in my physical life right now. Amen. Amen. I also want to welcome all the people that are watching us online. Our friends from Uganda is watching. Our friends from India, uh, wherever you are watching from, may the Lord bless you. Um, some of you may be watching even at a later time or date. We welcome all of you. We pray that tonight's conversation will be a, a blessing to you. Please don't mind my tone of speaking. I prefer speaking like this on a, on a Wednesday night so that you understand this is a conversation. Yeah. This is, I'm not trying to preach to you. I'm not trying to uh, tell you that I have more information than you have. We are just trying to discuss this and trying to understand is there another way to look at these things? Amen? Can I take one particular question from, uh, from the questions that were asked online? I'll read this out. Uh, this is a question from Jacob. He said, Apostle, the system of governance through the life of Joseph is so relevant for every aspect of our life today. Thank you for bringing this word to us. Apart from receiving this grace through our words, what are the other things that we can do that we can diligently do to follow as a discipline so that we can accelerate the establishment of this grace of governance in our life? What he's asking is, other than using our words, words are very powerful, right? Our words, we can rule and reign with our words and sometimes we can even fail and we can even be broken because of the words we speak and the words that we use. So he's asking, other than using our words wisely and carefully, how else can I grow in this grace of uh, governance? For, for us to understand governance well, we have to understand the lifestyles of those people who have, who have exercised governance. What I would advise you is to go back and study the, the lives of people, the, the 
history of people. For example, you know, on the first Sunday of this year, we spent time studying Joseph, how he dealt in his family relationships. You know, he became a governor, but how did he deal with his family relationships? How did he make certain choices? What did he do? What did he avoid? And what brought him to the palace? We studied that. And in the same way, if you study different people and you study their histories, you study their uh, convictions, you will know how is it that I can take practical keys and lessons from their lives. For example, let's, let's take the example of Daniel. What are some of the things that stands out for you from Daniel's life? If I have to ask you, do you know Daniel became a governor? Do you know he exercised governance? What are some of the things that he did that we can take as uh, choices or lessons? He, he didn't compromise on his eating habits. Here was a man, he was in Babylonia, and he is supposed to eat according to the food of Babylon. Not just is he in Babylon, he is in now in the royal palace. He is under royal guidance. Now he is being given royal food, a privilege that most slaves in exiles wouldn't have that. And it's very natural, very normal for him to say, wow, I, I'm, I'm so privileged, I'm so blessed, I'm so glad that I'm able to do this. So instead of, instead of getting carried away with the blessings, with the provisions, with the favor of God over his life, he rather said, I will not compromise with my eating habits. I will not eat what everybody else eat. That verse says in Daniel chapter 1, that Daniel and his friends, they determined in their heart. They resolved. They made a firm choice saying, this one thing we are not going to shift or change or do anything different. We are going to be unshakable when it comes to this one area. And, and I think that many a times when we are talking about governance, we we are talking about things that the, the, the blessings and the benefits that comes from that place of influence. But we seldom talk about the sacrifices, the things that we have to give up on, the, the meals that we can't have with certain people, the, the, the kind of relationships that we will have to avoid, the kind of people that we will have to avoid. We don't talk about the sacrifices. We're only talking about the benefits or the blessings of governance. So can I ask you, what are the things that, that you are convicted you need to give up, that you need to sacrifice so that there is no compromise in your life? There is no, no amount of defilement that will enter into your body, that will enter into your mind. There is no kind of defilement that will enter into your uh, your words, because sometimes you, you, you think that, you know, I, I'm not speaking bad, but do you know that your words is a reflection of what is in your heart? So whatever is in your heart, it automatically comes through in your words. In spite of you being as careful as you can be and as, as gentle as you can be, you, you want to act nice, you want to talk nice, 
But out of the overflow of your heart, your mouth will eventually speak. So the question is not, how can I not speak those things? The question is, how can I guard my heart better? How can I, how can I not compromise with what goes on into my heart? What, what I really, you know, partake of? What kind of food I partake? What kind of content I eat? What kind of sermons I listen to? What kind of, uh, you know, news articles that I read? What kind of people that I, that I engage in conversations with? Because it's not just one thing. It is, it's so many things that affect our governance. What else? Let's continue to discuss on Daniel. What else do you see is Daniel's characteristics? He has, he had a consistent pattern. He had a pattern. For example, his prayer was a, a reflection of his consistency. In fact, even when there was threats of him being thrown into the lion's den, he didn't stop his prayer. He didn't stop his disciplines. In spite of uh, uh, stumbling blocks on the way, in spite of threats, in spite of... He, he was not ignorant. He was not naive saying everything will be alright. He knew the reality and yet he continued to be consistent in his disciplines. He, he, he stayed on point. He continued to believe this is good. This is, this is my lifestyle. This is how I live. Um, so consistency is a key that you see in every, every governor in the Bible. You would find consistency. You study Joseph, you will see consistency. It was very easy for him to give up after two or three tries of being good and say, okay, there's no point. Nothing good is coming out of this. I'm only going from uh, one problem to another problem. There, it doesn't seem like I'm going to make, uh, make it to the palace, make it to the visions that God gave me. It was very, we would have also understood the fact that, oh, I understand. How long can he withstand? But he was consistent. He he was persistent. He endured till the end. And that is why he received his reward. Same thing with Daniel. He, he was consistent. Look at David. The, the number of times he failed. The number of times that he fell. The number of mistakes that he made. But he was consistent in his repentance. His, he, he was not known, known as a man after God's own heart. Because he was the purest, the kindest, the most... He was a murderer. You understand what I mean by saying he was a murderer? He, not just a murderer, he was a very shrewd murderer. Do you know how he committed the murder? In a way that the blame doesn't come on him. He just said, push him to the front of the battle. You know, he, he, he just crafted, he, just, he was a mastermind. Crafting, planning and scheming the evil that was in his heart. And yet, as soon as the word came to him, he was immediate, He was just so quick to repent. Every single time, you, you would see this in, in, in David's life, life. Every time he, he was convicted of a certain sin, he was consistent in repenting. He was not slow. He, he didn't take a lot of time to uh, you know, decide if I should really repent or not, if I should really give in to this feeling, he immediately would go and repent. So find me some people that are consistent in their pursuit 
of the promises of God. Find me some people that are consistent in, in standing on the word that are being spoken and declared over their life. Find me some people who really are consistent in believing what has been spoken over them. You know, and, and you'll find people that are, that are on their way to governance. What else do you see from the life of Daniel? He was trustworthy. He was trustworthy and he was not corrupt. Uh, so he could be given influence and he didn't, he didn't misuse that influence. Uh, he was trustworthy. What else? He was bold. He was courageous. Governance requires courage. If you're more scared of what people will say, what people will do, if the fear of man is greater than your fear of God, you, you're never going to be able to govern. You're never going to be able to tell others, you sit down and, and let me lead this. Let me take it from the front. You have to be bold. You have to be courageous. You have to be confident of your calling. You have to, you have to be confident of your convictions. Daniel was bold. He was courageous. He stood up for things that he believed. What else? His interpretation of dreams, there was so much wisdom in how he interpreted dreams. Not only in, in how he interpreted it, but what he did after he interpreted it. There was once when the king said, you know what, I'll give you gold, I will give you this, I'll give you that. He interpreted the dream and he's like, please keep the gold for yourself. You'll need it when you're being taken prisoner tomorrow. But... You know, if it was any of us, we'd be like so excited saying, look at how God rewarded me for my faithfulness. Look at how God rewarded me after I, you know, delivered such a very powerful interpretation of a powerful dream. Uh, and we would have taken credit for it. He said, why are you giving it to me? It's, it's not a big deal. This is God's work and this is... And so he was very wise in accepting certain things and wise in not accepting certain things. There was, there was wisdom that was practiced. What else? His skills. Do you know he was good at mathematics and language and different skills? So if, if you're saying, you know what, anointing is everything, I don't need skills. Look at Daniel. Daniel had skills. He didn't, he didn't get um, picked up to be in the royal palace because uh, the king was a you know, Holy Spirit-filled person who had great discernment about his anointing. No. The king evaluated him by his skill set. What languages he could read. How is his management skills? How is he with people? Is he able to manage people? Or is he always creating problems everywhere he goes? Is he able to you know, communicate clearly? He, he developed certain skills because of things that he believed about himself. Because of where God was taking him, he developed certain skills. So it's, uh, it's not something that he was born with, right? Anybody who was born with mathematics in your head? No, you have to develop certain skills. Yes, some people are more analytical than others are. But if you don't develop it, if, you're not, if you don't expose yourself to more learning in that particular area. You, you will never grow. You will never become better. And 
that is that is a big fail for many of us in 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 Christendom today because we are holding on to the promises of God yet we are not developing our skills yet we are not training ourselves up well um, the Bible says I think this is First Chronicles chapter ten or eleven it says David's mighty men if you can find that verse please do this David's mighty men they strengthened themselves because they believed that David was supposed to be the king. This is not when David became the king. Okay, David had not yet become king. And at that time, do you know some, the Bible calls them unworthy men, people who didn't have any qualification, people who didn't have any bank balance, people who didn't have any other card number, those kind of men, you know, those that didn't have any connections anywhere. They were the outcasts of the society. They started following David wherever he went. First Chronicles 11.10, can you read it out for me? Oh, now these were the heads of the mighty men whom uh -huh. David had, mm -hmm. who strengthened themselves with him in his kingdom, with all Israel, to make him king according to the word of the Lord concerning Israel. So he, he had not yet become king. Why did they strengthen themselves? To make David as king over all of Israel. So do, do you see, you're, you're saying, you know, let me, let, 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 let us win the election first. Let's, you know, have some governance and then we will strengthen ourselves. No, he's saying, I'm going to strengthen myself now. When I don't have power, when I don't have the wealth, when I don't have the resources, when I don't have the influence, when I don't have the social media followers, I'm going to work on my skills now for a responsibility that I'm going to get later. At a later point, I'm going to be serving as David's right-hand man. So right now, I'm going to strengthen myself. So, so they, it says, it didn't say that David strengthened them. What does it say? They strengthened themselves, which means every day when they were going to the gym, they were envisioning a crown on David's head. They, they would envision, you know, they, they are envisioning, you know, Dan to Beersheba under David's rule. You know, it's not happened yet. For us, it is past tense. For them, it is future tense. They are like, there is a word. There was an old prophet that came and anointed my pastor, saying, one day he will become the king of all Israel. One day governance will rest on his shoulder. One day the scepter will come into his hand. He is not from a royal family, but I know of a prophetic word. So what will I do? I will strengthen myself to support this man of God, to support this young man, to establish him as king over all of Israel. So, what did they do? They, they, it's, it's, they expanded in their abilities, their skill sets, their understanding. If, if one person is saying, hey, you know what, you're, you're picking up the security department to make sure David is secure, I'll take up the finance. I'll go and study finance. You know, I will, because I, I want to be, I want to help and serve David, run the finances of the kingdom. I want to help him with treasury work. So I'm going to go pick up finance and I'm going to strength. All of them didn't become body, bodyguards, you know. 
Some people became bodyguards, some people became worship leaders, some people became uh, financial treasurers, some people would, uh, you know, become his representatives and they would become administrators in different towns and villages. Everybody would have to do different things to, uh, to be able to apply their skill set to serve the same vision, the same purpose. Purpose is governance, right? But all of us, if you say, oh wait, we all want to be like prophet. We all want to, you know, preach in uh, a conference in Uganda before thousand people. No, that's not how it works. Like I was uh, in a conversation with a dear sister in, in Delhi and one of the questions she was asking me is, uh, I, I want to have the same encounter that prophet had when he saw Enoch, when he met Enoch, because he received these scrolls from Enoch, you know, he had these encounters with Enoch. And my question to her was this, I was like, why do you want to have that encounter? Tell me, what, what is the purpose? What is the requirement? Why do you need that particular encounter? Uh, because the, there was a man, there was one person that God has given their encounter to, so that he can teach all of us. He can train all of us. Now, my question is, if all of us say, okay, I, I am also just sitting and waiting for Enoch to come and give me some scrolls, then, we, then you understand that's, that's not how kingdom works. Now, we have to go to the next level. We receive the information, we strengthen ourselves and we say, okay, now how does this practically apply in Hormavagra? How can we use the information that we receive to buy this building that we have? You know, how can we use the information that we receive to reach the young people, the children of, of Bangalore? How can we use the information that we receive to now apply it practically, physically into different aspects? Because not every encounter or not every revelation is to be pursued or to be replicated. Certain, certain, certain revelations can be, can be contagious and it can, it, it can be given to multiple people, but not everything. Like, I, I was just telling this to the sister. Can you imagine oh, some of us saying, you know, I, I also want to know what will happen in the end days. So I book a flight to, uh, what is that island where John was? Patmos. So I book a flight to Patmos Island. I say, I'm, I'm going to live in the wild for some time. Until I get my own book of revelation, I'm not coming. Come on, I already have a book of revelation. I go back and I study the book of revelation. I take practical keys and, and say, how does this apply into my context? And I develop my skill sets. When there is a purpose, when there is a requirement, uh, anointing will come upon you. An encounter will come upon you. A revelation will come upon you. So these mighty men of David... They were not anointed like David was. You get it? And some of them, honestly, were more righteous than David was. You know, Uriah was one of those. So loyal, so committed. They, some of them were more righteous, more holy than David himself was. And yet, these guys, they were like 
saying, you know, I, I don't care if I get the stage. I don't care if I don't have the oil from, you know, Samuel's flask on my head. What I care about is how can I serve my David to pursue his kingdom? The, the prophecies that were spoken upon my David, how can I, how can I assist my David in his governance? So for some of us, your pursuit of governance may not actually be being in the forefront. Your pursuit of governance may actually be supporting a David or supporting a Daniel. Do you know Daniel had three friends? What are the names? Wrong. That's not their actual names. That's the, that's the names that... Yeah. You know, the, the Bible says these guys... They were friends of Daniel. They served Daniel. They probably prayed with Daniel. They were the ones encouraging Daniel, saying, hey, we are with you. We are standing with you. And Daniel is the one in the forefront, you know, doing all the interpretation, getting all the, you know, uh, you know, people are offering him gold and wealth and all of that. And these guys, they are still backing up Daniel. Nobody is offering them gold. Nobody is giving them, you know, primetime television. But they are standing with Daniel's vision. All the encounters that Daniel got about end times. It was only Daniel who got it. But his friends were there faithfully helping him journal it all out. Write it all. So that you and I, we can read it thousands of years later. Come on. Do you think it was only Daniel and no one else? Was, I, I mean, we thank God for the people that, that were faithful around these great men of God to journal everything, to articulate everything, to, to capture everything so that you and I today can receive. And, and sometimes you, you may think, oh, he's just a cameraman or he's just on the live stream. He, he can't quote as many verses as Apostle can. You have no idea how important is that person's calling or that person's responsibility in pursuing this governance. Because... That person, it is because of that person that this word is getting out. It is because of that person that this, this, this teaching is being replayed multiple times. And so you, you have to ask, how can I strengthen myself? How can I strengthen my skills? How can I, uh, you know, attach myself to other people who have governance? Before I can be given tasks or responsibilities. These guys, they didn't strengthen themselves after David named them the heads of the hundreds of the thousands. They strengthened themselves before. And eventually David said, man, I like your biceps. You know, I like how you diligent you've been with your, with your finances. I, I like how you've, you've maintained your, uh, you know, your social media accounts. Will you take care of my social media accounts? Will you do this for me too? Can you, can you help me run this kingdom? Can you come on board and help me, uh, you know, take care of my security, take care of my media, take care of my finances? Can you come on board? But why will David give those responsibilities to somebody who is saying, just trust me? Yeah, I don't know how to manage money, but just... Why will David give that office to you? You know, you need to give some 
you need to have some experience in the past. Like how David walked into Saul's office and said, you know what? I have killed a lion and a bear. This is my qualification. I have, I have done this before. I have worked in I know that you think that Goliath is too big for me, but there was once when a lion came up and with my bare hands, I tore that lion apart. With my hands, I tore the bear and I rescued the sheep that were, were, were part of my assignment. I brought the sheep out of the mouth of the lion. So he had something on his resume to say, I, I'm, I'm ready for Goliath. I've, I've never fought Goliath before, but I'm ready. This is, this is proof. I've taken risks before. This is not the first time that I'm taking such a big risk. I've taken certain risks like this before. So show me how intentionally you are pursuing the, the, the grace for governance. Not just in your life, but even in other people's lives. When you see someone else being given a calling, being given an anointing, show me how intentionally you have served that person. How intentionally you have you've just come around that person and saying, how can we make sure this person does this, reaches their goal, reaches their, instead of getting jealous of them, instead of being like, why didn't God call me? Why didn't God give, you know, details of my name to the prophet? You know, many of you must have thought that last, last Sunday. Like, so many names got called. Why did my name not come up? It's very normal, right? It's very normal to say, am I not as special, as, as important? No, all of us are. And yet, the, some of the names of these mighty men were not mentioned in the Bible. But they, they strengthened themselves. Some of these names were not even spoken about. Yet they were very critical in David being established as a king over all of Israel. Because they, they had a vision, they had a perspective. So if you think governance is only about, you know, just uh, when God gives me my own business. Or when God gives my own church, ministry, my own city. I will do a good job. No. Yes, someday God will see your faithfulness in this place and God will give you a, a more higher responsibility, but you start with what has been already given to you. Amen? So what, what I'm trying to say to answer Jacob's question is that if you study other people who have had governance before or who have exercised governance, you will get keys. You, you understand you study their characteristics and you understand why they did what they did. And you pursue them. Because if, if the reason they, were, they are successful like this, they, are, they have been able to reach this destination is because of these paths that they took. Then I am going to also apply the same principles into my life, into my relationships, into my, into my organization, into my uh, planning, strategizing so that I can also exercise governance in the same manner. Does it make sense? Any questions from any of you? Russell, I have a question. Thank you. Uh, just kind of connecting both these questions that you've answered. Um, when you're in this pursuit for governance, or when you're, you know that okay, these are some things that you have to intentionally do, 
and also when you know that you have to kind of take care of you know your physical mental emotional and all of you know your spiritual thing there's sometimes like i know personally for me there are times that you kind of feel overwhelmed and you're like oh i've not you know you kind of put a pressure on yourself because you know you have to take care of so many things and especially like you know when we we talking about the end times and all this there's so many things that need to be done but you feel like you're you know in a limited time so how do you take that pressure off but still uh you know be productive and you know still be able to uh yeah to pursue and to to do that so wow that i i think that's a very important question how many of you feel that you don't have enough time after hearing that teaching on on the timeline of the end is all of you have felt that right because we've we've made our plan for the next 25 years and and here the prophet is saying Jesus may come back within the next 10 years and and you're like oh no <laughs> how about this how about that and i i don't have enough time or i don't have enough resources or i don't have enough uh energy to push and do this at this rate um i i i understand you because i have the exact same feeling because i'm thinking god you know this is i had i had to have have churches in these three places that you showed me i had to have ministry in this place and that thing and you know how am i going to push for all of this within this limited time that's one thing and then of course there is this constant pressure in our head because of all the prophecies that have been spoken to us you know and the prophecies say that you will do this you will do that you will what did i do wrong why am i not there already you know how can i just accelerate from the pit to the palace immediately is there like one altar that i can build which will just skip the next three pit stops you know that i don't have to stop at potiphar's house and i don't have to be in the prison i can straight go to the palace is there is there a a magical confession or prayer that i can pray to just that's very normal and and i think that sometimes these things they they keep remaining in your heart and your spirit and and keep putting a burden upon you saying wait a minute you you've not done this or you have not been able or you've not been capable of doing these things and and uh, certain times these voices can also be used to quench your faith to quench your ability to now say okay this was last time's prophecy that didn't i happen in the time that i thought it would now this time god is giving me another word what how do you think it's going to happen how do you think i can pursue this that that is why if you study the lifestyle of gideon the the the, the confessions of gideon his question was hey god said this will happen god said that he will protect us god said that he will move in signs and wonders in our life but look at our land look look at our lives look at our land look at our relationships look at our businesses look at our homes everything is in chaos everything is in a mess i don't know how how or when or where i will ever see you know the promises of god actively functioning in my life and that's why he refused to believe when the angel came and said i'm going to use you he kept questioning saying is it truly me 
is I'm the weakest. Is it truly me because, you know, I, I don't see God working the way that he promised in the past. Is it truly me because I'll, I'll, I'll need multiple confirmations. I'll need God to, you know, make this wet and dry and give some dreams and interpretations. And Is it really from the Lord that, that I've been called? So the enemy can constantly use your past experiences to quench your faith, to, to quench your ability to trust God for your current assignments. And, that, and those are the times when you have to constantly tell yourself, when God makes a promise over my life, that does come with a responsibility on my hand, my part, that I need to pursue it in this particular manner. But fulfilling the promise is, is God's responsibility. Like I can be faithful. I can strengthen myself up. I can build myself up. But I can't crown myself as the king of all of Israel. I, I, what I can do is I can be wise and I can, I can avoid certain compromises. I can avoid um, these friendships. I, I can do what, what is in my control and what is in my sphere of influence. I can do that. But I can't walk into the house of the Pharaoh and tell him to appoint me as the governor of Egypt. That has to be from the Lord. I, I can't promote myself. There are certain blessings which it, it comes from the Lord. When you see that, when you know that, you know what, God has to move for this. This is not in my hand. I have, be, I have, I have been faithful from my side. I have been faithful from my, my understanding. See, God is not going to judge you for things that you don't know. But God is definitely going to hold you accountable for the things that you know, that you've been taught, that you've received as instructions. And that is why you can't be sitting in church, you know, for a service without pen and a paper or without your notes open. Because you need to be constantly writing down instructions. If not, if not you know, all the verses... At least take down certain instructions that you receive from that word, that morning's word. What instructions am I receiving from the Lord today? What, um, what direction am I getting from the Lord? And how can I pursue those instructions and directions during the, the coming season, during the coming week? If you would become intentional to being faithful to what has been spoken to you, what has been taught to you, Again, it's, it's very rare that we can, anybody could do 100%. As anybody said, I have, like, I have done 100 out of 100 things of what God told me to do. No, that's where grace kicks in. Like if you think that your anointing is all because of your prayer, you've, you've got it wrong. You've completely gotten it wrong. If you think that your anointing is because of, uh, you know, all the, the right wisdom and not eating the right things and eating the right things and doing all the things. No, it's not. There are still things that you missed and it is the grace of God that covers you at that point. It is, it is grace that lifts you up. So I'm, I'm prophetically speaking to any and everybody in this place who are feeling insufficient, who are feeling like, man, I, I don't have what it takes to, to really 
do what God has called me to do. Like Moses was complaining, saying, I, you know what, I'm, uh, I, I can't speak well. I don't think I can, I have the ability, the physical ability to do this. And God says, are you not talking to the one who made the mouth? Are you not talking to the one who has this uh, unending capabilities in his hand? Then will you, can't you just trust what I can do? What I can release, what I can impart into your, into your weakness, into your inabilities. Can you help me pick up this scripture from 2 Corinthians? I know this is a scripture that we have read multiple times, but uh, that's definitely something that we can read again. In 2 Corinthians, if I'm not wrong, in, verse, in chapter 12, Let's read from verse 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9. I'm going to read it from the New King James Version. Then he said to me, my grace, if you can read it, if, if the scripture comes up, can you read it with me? This is the New King James Version, uh, NKJV. It says in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9, And he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure, verse 10, he says, therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when weak, then I am strong. Go back to verse 9. It says, God said to me, Apostle Paul is saying, God said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. So, if you feel your prayer life is insufficient, praise God. If you feel that your giving is insufficient, praise God. You still have to give. You still have to pray. You still have to uh, do your part. But if you feel what you're doing is insufficient, then don't worry. Because God says, where you feel insufficient, my grace will come and add the rest of the points that is needed the rest of the gap that is needed to be filled, my grace will come and my grace will be sufficient. When the grace of God manifests in our lives, we become sufficient. We become content. We become comforted. We become covered. And this grace is available for all of us. All of us. He says, God told him, Jesus told him, my strength is made perfect in weaknesses. So if you're feeling weak, awesome. Amen. If you're feeling, if you're feeling like you're unable, praise God. Because God's strength cannot manifest when, when you're very strong. 
God's strength can only manifest when you're weak. When you're saying, ah, this is, I wish I had the anointing required to do this. I don't think I can. I don't think I'm able to. And God says, perfect. I like that weakness because now my strength can manifest. He goes on to say, Apostle Paul, he's saying, therefore, most gladly, I will boast in my infirmities. In, in meaning, he's saying, these are my limitations and struggles, but I'm going to boast about it. Why? Because in my weakness, his strength is made manifest. I'm not going to be sad about these things. I'm going to be excited because every failure is an opportunity for God to manifest his glory. Every brokenness is a place where God can manifest his grace. Every limitation is a place where God can manifest his, his providence. He goes on to say, therefore I take pleasure in infirmities, in, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses. If, if, if the Lord would just convict your heart to do this, this season, can you just take pleasure and saying, I, I, I'm, not going to, I'm not going to crib about these things. I'm not going to be, you know, complaining about these things. I'm just going to take pleasure in my weaknesses. Because if, if I would have done well because I have no weakness, then my strength would take credit for it. My education would take credit for it. My... Uh, prayer life would take credit for it. I, I can say I prayed so many. Look at the number of hours on Pray Now app that I can prove to you why, you know, God is you. If, if that is the thing, you, your, your prayer time can take credit for, your, your, for the work of God in your life. But here, you, you, you don't take, get to take credit. You know, this is, this, is not, this is not you. Read verse 10 one more time. It says, Therefore I take Pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses. Why? For Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. When I am weak, then I am strong. Apostle Paul was not saying, you know, just stay weak. Please don't misinterpret this to... Uh, you know, there is a group of poverty gospel preachers that believe you, you should not be having money in your life because, you know, Paul and John said, silver and gold I have none, but what I have I give to you in the name of, you know the scripture, this is in Acts chapter 3, when they met the lame man, they said, I don't have silver and gold, but what I have is the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. So there is a group of people that say, you know, you don't need silver and gold. You should not have silver and gold. Not just that you don't, you don't need silver and gold is uh, proper, right? But you shouldn't have silver and gold. That is wrong. When, when you're now forcing people to pursue weakness. Please understand, all evening I didn't ask you to, you know, live a compromised lifestyle. What did I say? Strengthen your strengths. Work on your eating habits, work on your relationship skills, work on your discernment, work. You have to become better. Yet, none of us can achieve perfection. That's what I'm saying, that weakness, that, that, 
that failures, that, that, that gap that there is, grace will come and fill that gap. Okay? And you will become sufficient. I'm not asking you to stay weak. I'm not asking you to, you know, just live poor. I'm not asking you to uh, stay uh, with, with sicknesses. No, 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 that's, that's not what I'm asking you. I'm, I'm asking you to still pursue provision, still pursue the, the, the power of God. I'm asking you to still pursue the, the grace of God uh, to, to break every bondage, to break every, every limitation over your life. And yet, that it is not your hundred percent that God is going to now use for His glory. It is your submission. It is your surrender. And God doesn't have to wait till you have everything to use you. I've, I've heard people say, uh, Pastor, I, I don't have, uh, you know, this, I don't have that. How can I preach about this? You know, how, like, if you ask me, like, I, I can't stand. And like yesterday, we were praying for billionaires. But I'm not a billionaire myself. But that doesn't mean I can't, you know, pursue that. That doesn't mean I can't pray for that. That doesn't mean I can't release that. You know, it's, that's not how it works. Because if you think that, you know, only when I am capable, only when everything, all the problems in my life is sorted, will I be able to give solutions to your problems? I will never be able to help you. Because Joseph, he was helping people when he still had his own problems that were not sorted. So if you think, oh, how can I solve other people's problems when I, my problems are not, you know, God has not even answered my prayers. Why should I pray for someone? If you, if you have that attitude, you're never going to be able to help others. That's why Paul is saying, that's why God is telling us His grace is sufficient. There are going to be times when you will feel insufficient. At that time, His grace kicks in, His grace takes over. And you don't boast in your ability at that time. You boast in His strength and His ability. And you thank the Lord. And you say, for when I am weak, I'm also strong. If you read the context, it's a time when Apostle Paul, he is uh, praying for healing. Multiple times he's asking God for healing. And can you imagine, God has used Apostle Paul for raising the dead people. So do you think that it's, it's that he doesn't have what it takes to release healing? Yeah, I mean, like he has healed people. His handkerchiefs, his, you know, just people coming in contact with his, you know, DNA on the handkerchief can heal people. Yet, he is now, it says three times I prayed and I asked God for this healing. I, I asked God for a because this area, I see that this is becoming a limitation in me pursuing the call of God over my life. So three times I prayed that, that this will be, you know, solved for good. And yet God didn't answer my prayer. And God said, instead God said, it's okay. My grace is sufficient for you. It's okay because my strength will be made perfect in your weakness. My my abilities will shine in your inabilities. And, and, and it's, it's very important that we, 
we understand that God can use us even when we are not perfect. God can use us even when we are not out there, you know, on, in the palace. God can use us in the journey, in the process, when we are still incomplete, when we are still in the process of being healed, God can use us to release healing to somebody else. You know, Joseph's dreams had not yet been fulfilled before the people that he ministered to, their dreams got fulfilled. You know this, right? When did Joseph's dream get fulfilled? Much later, two years later. But the people that he ministered to, their dreams came to pass before Joseph got a confirmation for his own dream. He's been here doing this for a long time. He's, not, he's never seen the hand of God manifest like this in his life, but he's seeing this in someone else's life. Isn't that amazing that God can use you to, to raise people and, and help people and equip people and strengthen people while you're still receiving help from the Lord for yourself? So please, my brothers and sisters, don't disqualify yourself because of your insufficiencies. Don't disqualify yourself because you don't have enough time, enough money, enough contacts, enough um, help. Please don't look down on yourself. The Lord will fill in the gaps. His grace is sufficient for you. His grace is sufficient for you. I, I used to tell this to myself when I was unmarried. And I would be married, I, I'd be uh, counseling and ministering to married people. I would say, yes, I'm not married. But, it's, but again, it's not my marriage that gives me the license to counsel other marriages. Apostle Paul, he wrote some of the, some of the content that we read in our weddings. is written by an unmarried man. Like, man of God, what gives you the right to talk about marriage? Have you been married? Do you know what the, the, the pressure, do you know the struggles? Do you, have you tried to manage ministry, marriage, everything all on like, how, how do you talk like this? He's like, bro, I, I don't talk because, you know, I, I have it all. I talk from the revelation that comes to me. My, the, some of the revelations that come to me is, is grace. It is, it's not because of my labor. You know, so there are some revelations that come because I've journeyed through life. I have fought those giants. I have experienced those fears myself. But there are other revelations that is that God just gives me because of the gap. It was not even Paul's idea to write about marriage. The church wrote to him saying, you know, Paul, there are some women in our church that are saying they don't want to get married. There are some that are saying it's okay to get married. What is your perspective on this? They provoked Paul to now write and talk about marriage. There was a need. There was a requirement. Now, when that need came, the grace filled the gaps. He, when the need came, the grace of God just took over Paul's inabilities and his weaknesses. And the grace of God said, don't worry, I'm here. I'll help your people. I'll help. I'll strengthen. When you're weak is when you are strong. And everybody said an amen. Amen. I'll take one more question uh, from the questions that have come online. Uh, this, this is the question. Uh, which is a little connected to the previous question, uh, previous statement that I made. 
the question is, what is the purpose of the realm of the supernatural with relation to our faith and our walk with God? In other words, what's the purpose of a visitation, a dream or a sign? And how much should we lean on them? Do you understand the question? What is the purpose of revelation or what is the purpose of an encounter? You know, the, the dear sister that asked me in Delhi, uh, how can I receive the same encounter that Enoch received? The question that I asked her back is, what is the reason you want this encounter? Why do you want this encounter? So it's very important for us to study uh, the fact that God doesn't give encounters without a purpose. God doesn't give encounters without an assignment, without certain things that is going to take place as a result of this encounter. If you think that the Mount of Transfiguration was God just showing off, that's not what, that's not it, what it was. Like, come on, Jesus, do you think Jesus had the need to show off? Like, like the, the fact that Jesus met with Moses and Elijah, that was, that was a specific assignment that was coming up in Jesus' life and ministry. He was about to take up the cross and he needed certain critical information and understanding as to what he should expect. And so an encounter came. The same thing happened in the Garden of Gethsemane. The Bible says angels came and strengthened Jesus. Can you imagine they strengthened Jesus? <laughs> Jesus needed strengthening. Because there was a moment when the physical part of him, he was weak. And Jesus was strengthened. So, the, so it's very, very easy for us to sit in our comfort zones, in our home, in our very comfortable, you know, double foam mattress and say, Lord, comfort me, send your angel to come. What do you need comfort from? What are you fighting? What, what battle are you entering into that you need strengthening? How many of you know the story of how Joshua met Jesus? You know, there was a commander of the Lord's army that came and, and stood before Joshua. And he said, take, take off your shoes because where you're standing, it is holy ground. And uh, Joshua's question was, who are you? Are you on our side or are you on? They're on our enemy's side. And, and, the, and the voice said, neither. I am the commander of the Lord's army. Immediately, Joshua just fell down and worshipped. It couldn't have been an angel because the angel wouldn't have received worship. It had to be the Lord Jesus himself. And, and it's amazing because right after that, they were entering into a battle. They were entering into a season of chaos where they were, they were trying to take over generations of Canaanites that had possessed this land. They were about to take over. So they were... They, they needed an anointing that would undo generations worth of stronghold. So that encounter was to strengthen Joshua to stay faithful and stay committed in his pursuit when they were about to take over Jericho, when they were about to take over Canaan. And, and here we are, we have no direction in our life. We don't want to do anything with our lives. We, we just want to just somehow survive, you know. We just want to come to church once a month, once a week, 
just you know give our thoughts why do you need an encounter from the lord why do you need an encounter from the lord instead isn't it better that you pursue the call of god over your life that you pursue the directions that god has put for your life and all the encounters that need to come you know at the right time let it come jesus didn't pursue the encounters jesus pursued his assignment and the encounters came the bible says the heavens opened and an angel and the holy spirit it descended in bodily form over jesus he didn't he didn't go looking for where where is the where is the encounter coming i'll i'll go sit into that fasting prayer where is where are, where are people receiving all this uh, uh, holy spirit manifestations let me attend that meeting probably something will happen to me no no that, he was not pursuing the encounter he was pursuing his assignment as he was pursuing his assignment encounters came as he was pursuing his cross his end goal his destiny the strengthening from the angels came the the supernatural manifestations came so that's the first part of this question what is the purpose uh, of this uh, of the realm of the supernatural the second question is how much should we lean on them should we really depend on them or not i think um, it's is very important that we become strong in discernment before we lean on the supernatural because if we if you don't discern well then it is very much possible for our our lack of awareness of the spiritual things to 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 take us captive into the wrong understanding let me give you an example saul the bible says he he went to a medium he went to a black magician and said i want to i want to meet with samuel so what is he doing he is he is pursuing an encounter he is he is leaning he is like he wanted to know what should he do in the war you know he was in a war he wanted some directions and understanding he wanted to know what to do next and he had not grown in discernment to find the voice of god in the right sources the right places he has had a prophet samuel in his life but now that he has lost his relationship and his favor with prophet samuel he is now gone to a medium to get that back to get that prophetic voice back into his life he he just wants the benefit without the uh, obligation of obeying the man do you understand this like i don't 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 make me so close to the man of god that he will read my life but at the same time just give me a prophetic word from the man don't don't give me instructions don't tell me what i am doing wrong but give me a prophetic word from the lord you know that's that's witchcraft that you are doing you, you 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 that's not how the prophetic works so if you lean on the supernatural realm without being accountable without being submitted without being uh, without growing in discernment then that that realm can in fact turn around to hurt you it can 
your dependence on the supernatural realm can actually become a, 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 a trap that the enemy can also use to speak to you. The enemy can also use that to, to, to bring in other voices. It says <coughs> about David that Satan, can you find this verse for me? It says Satan... Satan provoked David to, to take a census. I think this is in 2 Chronicles or 2 Samuel. Can you just help me find that? Satan. It, it doesn't say. I think this is, a, this is one of the first times you would find the word Satan in, the, in, in, in Scripture. 1 Chronicles 21. 1. Read it out for me. Satan rose up against Israel and incited David to take a census of Israel. Do you see this? It says, it doesn't say that, uh, that you know, uh, that David made a mistake in, in, in the choices that he made. It says, Satan incited David, the man of God. The man who is so used to going to prophets and and. Do you know David would, David would never do anything that a prophet would have not told him. Everything that he does, he has done in, in consultation with the prophets of God. And yet here it says, Satan. The very first time the word Satan is mentioned in scripture is this verse. This Satan incited David. If you read the story, it will go on to say how, a, how God was really mad at David because of this choice. So David got a direction, but he didn't discern the source. He didn't discern the, the voice. And he got carried away. He was, he's, he's been leaning on the supernatural for so long that now it's just become something that he will just blindly trust without discernment, without checking. Is this the heart of God for my life? Let me tell you this, guys. No matter what man of God comes and tells you, what, what pastor comes and tells you, what, you know, what he, Apostle Paul says, even if an angel would come and tell you, forget about a man of God. He says, even if an angel would come and tell you certain things that is contrary to what is being taught to you, what has been, you know, handed down to you, then you, you, you shouldn't receive it. You shouldn't just close your eyes and say, ah, oh, probably a, a, a new teaching. No, no, no. That's not how we do it. You need to have discernment. You can't just get carried away by every wind of doctrine and everything that everybody says. No, no, no. That's not how, we, how it works. You, you have to ask, is this a voice that I trust? Is this a voice that is given to me by the Lord? Is, is this... Is this a direction that the Lord has given me to? Is this, is this a place where God has planted me, rooted me? Is this, a, is this something that God, God wants me to do? If it's not, then you can get deceived in, in the Garden of Eden. You can, you can say you are in the best church. Is there a better church than the Garden of Eden? <laughs> Can, can any church be better than the Garden of Eden? You can be in the best church 
and you can be deceived just because you didn't know how to discern the voices that were in the garden do you understand what i'm saying so when you see a serpent talking don't say wow this is a sign from the lord i need to eat this fruit <laughs> this is definitely the lord giving me a confirmation i need to i need to jump in on this no no that's not how it works just because there is a supernatural element to something that's happening it is it's it, you don't you're not obligated to listen to it you're not obligated to do it you have to still take it back to the lord you know many prophets uh, you know because they have access to me and i have access to them they call me they update they they they'll give me a word from the lord they'll tell me this is what god is saying this is how god is saying i still remember there was a time when a prophet got my num got my name but didn't have my number so he asked around multiple people and finally via 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 he got somebody who knew my number and he called me up 6 am in the morning called me up with prophetic instructions 100% accurate on point details called out names of everybody in my family and details what did i do after the call i called up my father and i said you know what this is this is the this is the word i have received do you think this is something i should do how can i do what what help me discern this voice and he said tick 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 everything is good this one thing you are not yet ready for this is still from the lord but you are not ready for it don't jump into this right now other things go ahead you know receive and even before i would sow a seed into the man of god that you know gave me the prophetic word i first you know i sowed a seed into my father who gave me the instructions to follow this word that came from this man of god he gave me more more information but my father he gave me discernment because that's more important you know discernment is is more valuable than information discernment is more valuable than uh, the supernatural so if you if you are devoid of discernment then we are in great danger so constantly keep checking every supernatural experience you have every encounter you have take it back to the lord take it back to your mentors to your leaders that you have access to and tell them this is this is what i have experienced what do you think how can i pray about it what can i do to fan in this into flames to for to really manifest in my life or what can i do to quench these voices <coughs> that are that are trying to lead me away out of this garden what can i do it's necessary that you ask these questions every single time that you have a supernatural encounter you may be as experienced as david is in uh, in hearing from the lord uh, you may be as as wise as solomon is and yet solomon was swept away in the advice that his wives gave him yeah why because at that point his discernment was tuned out he was very discerning when he was sitting in the court room discerning between two women who said this is their child great discernment was there <clears throat> but when he went back to his bedroom there was no discernment 
That's, that's the problem. When is it that you, you tune down? Who are the people that you will lower your guard for? And, and you, will not, you will not discern certain things. And you will jump into things. You will do certain things too fast, too quick. And in the process, you end up hurting yourself. You end up hurting people around you. You end up hurting your own process of, of growth in the Lord. So it's very important that you be careful about those things. Uh, am I asking you not to rely on the supernatural? No. I'm teaching you. I'm asking you to, be, to, to grow in discernment as much as you grow in the supernatural. To grow in understanding and, and, and wisdom parallel to your growth in the supernatural. One very important key is that you need to be good students of the Word of God. If you're not a good student of the Word of God, you know, and, and you receive a particular revelation, you, you know this is not scriptural. God told me, yes, but <laughs> this is what the Bible says. How can God tell you something that the Bible is clearly against? So it's necessary that you study the Word of God. You're very familiar with the Word of God. You're very much aware of what the word says about this particular direction that you are getting so that you, you can, can apply it correctly. Do you have any doubts on this? Any follow-up questions? Anything that's on your mind to ask? Yes. So how do we grow in discernment? Like a very basic, you know, what are some practical things that we can do to grow in discernment? It's practice. The, the amount of practice that you do, uh, you, you, will, you will certain times, you will definitely make mistakes. You will do things, you will discern and you will, you will do things, you will commit to things and you will know, oh, wait a minute, this, this was wrong. And other times that you will, you will get it right. And the more number of times you practice discernment, the better it will become. <clears throat> Hebrews chapter 5 verse 14. I'll read it for you from the NKJV Bible. It says, but solid food belongs to those who are of full age. That is those, by, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. It says by reason of use. Another translation would say by practice, by regular exercise. They have exercised, they have exercised their senses. Their senses have been strengthened to discern both good and evil. So this comes, you know, with a lot of, um, you, you need people around you who will, who will tell you if your discernment was correct or not? You know, who can tell you, wait a minute, I've been there, I've sensed that, I understand that, but this is, this is, this is a trap from the enemy, don't fall for it. Or others that would say, don't, don't worry, just keep pushing on, you will see the, the light at the end of the tunnel. There'll be those, you need people around you who will, who will keep affirming or correcting your discernment. It says, who by reason of use 
have their senses exercised. They have, they have their senses which are exercised. By, by the reason of their use, their, their senses, which is, you know, we have spiritual senses, we have physical senses. Our senses need to become exercised to discern between good and evil. Which means, uh, you know, you, your, you know your, your physical body needs to pick up immediately when, when something is wrong. Your, but it has to, it'll, it'll, it's not the first time that you conclude that. It has to be after a long time of doing the same thing over and over and over again that you know, okay, this, this is that. This is that. This is that. You, you begin to make connections because it's, it's by reason of use. Uh, you can't just take one thing and generalize it to everything. You, you, you have to practice it for a long time. And then your spiritual senses are on point, your physical senses are on point. Um, again, you should also connect yourself with other people who have a discernment of the spirits. You know, there, there is a gift of discernment of the spirits. So you watch other people and you learn. You study, like for example, Jesus, when he was on the earth, there were people that, whose faith he appreciated, whose faith he encouraged, blessed. There were people that he, he, he motivated. He's like, man, great is your faith. And there are others that he is like, bro, chill, take it easy. You know, he, what spirit are you carrying on yourself? This was, uh, you know, John and uh, James. They said, call down fire upon Samaria. They were doing that in their zeal. They, they were like, oh, let's expand the kingdom. Jesus, Jesus functioning in discernment. Because they are seeing what Jesus did to the Pharisees. Jesus called them brood of vipers. Jesus said, you know, your whitewashed tombs. And now they are trying to replicate it in another location. But Jesus helped them said, no, no, you're not functioning in the spirit. You're just imitating my words from the last location without imitating the spirit behind it. So Jesus helped them discern the difference between a Samaritan and a Pharisee. And said, a Pharisee, you know, again, even between Pharisees, there was a Pharisee whose house he went and had a meal at. And there was a Pharisee that he called a whitewashed tomb. And then there was a Pharisee who he allowed to come and meet him privately late in the night. Same, same group, right? He didn't say all Pharisees are whitewashed tombs. Certain Pharisees were worthy of going and having a meal with. Certain Pharisees, he had to, you know, whip them. <laughs> Certain Pharisees, he, he had to just sit and teach them. He, he, he exercises discernment differently in different places. He didn't say, ah, all, all Malayalis are crooks. <laughs> Sorry, I, I can use the word Malayalis because I am a Malayali. I, I you know, <laughs> I'm not demeaning anybody. I'm... I know people who say this, who demean a particular people group or people, you know, uh, religious background, they're like, just categorize everybody. No, use your discernment. Grow in your discernment. Study from other people. Study from the life of Jesus. Study from other people who have discerned and who have understood these things. 
how they practice their discernment. Does it help somebody? Can we pray? Can we ask the Lord to give us grace for discernment? Just, just forget everything else for a few minutes. Just say, Lord Jesus, sharpen my spiritual senses. Sharpen my, my physical senses. Lord, your word says that the, the physical training, it, is, it does profit little. It does profit little. So Lord, I pray right now that you would give me the ability to train myself physically. To strengthen myself physically. To, to strengthen my skill sets. To upgrade my abilities. To upgrade my, 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 my resume. My physical resume. And to upgrade my spiritual resume. Give me the grace, Lord, in this season to upgrade myself. Every lie of the enemy that says where I am is enough, what I have done is enough, that I don't need to pursue more, that I don't need to do anything better, that I, need, I don't need to proceed further. Every lie of those enemies, we, we silence it right now in Jesus' name and we speak the truth of God to invade our ears right now. The, in, the, the, the voice of God, the truth of God to invade our perspectives. Yes, this is a season where we will grow in physical training. This is a season where we will grow in, in, in training in ourselves in godliness, in spiritual training. This is also a season where we will strengthen ourselves up in every aspect so that we can do governance well, so that we can do governance better. And Lord, this is also a season where we understand that we will never always 100, time, 100 out of 100 times reach 100%. But we will still need to know how to lay our weaknesses at your feet and trust your work, trust your abilities, trust your grace, Lord. Give us, give us the understanding, Lord. Give us the understanding to be able to, to, to see you at work, to see you at work. When we are weak, when we are broken, when we are failing, Lord, give us the grace to, to, to see that you are strong. Your, your strength is made perfect in my weaknesses. Somebody say this out to, uh, out to the Lord saying, when I'm weak, I'm also strong. When I'm insufficient is when I am the most sufficient. When I am low, is when I am on top because His grace is sufficient for me. And so Lord Jesus, we pray your grace will empower our senses for discernment that by, by, by reason of use, our discernment will, will be strengthened, that we will go to the next level. We will, we will really learn to discern and grow in our discernment in this season, Lord. That there will be nobody in this place who will, who will be a casualty of poor discernment, Lord. I speak a blessing upon everybody that is tuned in today and that are present here physically. I pray a blessing of, of discernment. No one will fall prey to poor discernment. No one will fall prey to the voice of the serpent that is trying to trap and trick and deceive the people of God. 
In the name of Jesus, every blind eye be opened. Every veil that is put before your children, Lord, let it be torn. Everything that is being done in secret, that is being, that is being done in, 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 uh, from behind the scenes, all the agendas from, that, are, that are being hidden, I pray it shall be exposed right now. Dream realms, let there be discernment. Prophetic words that we are receiving, discernment. Visions that we receive, discernment. Even teachings that we see on, on Instagram, YouTube, wherever it comes from, Lord, discernment. Yes, our conversations that we receive from our friends, family members, discernment. In Jesus' name, I speak discernment. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your strengthening our senses. May we be able to hear great reports and and an understanding of how your children have been saved from the traps of the enemy. Yes, Lord, we thank you for you have spoken to us one more time. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. And everybody said an amen.